so everything's going okay? Yep, yep. It's pretty much normal, just working. I mean, no, I really haven't had this clear of a social calendar since probably I was four years old. But I, I was going to say, like, you're you're a guy who, like. You know, usually we have to look at the week ahead and be like, okay, what days, what days are you available that we're right. going to be able to record? And yeah, I mean, it's uh, uh, it's weird. It's just working, coming home, wrapping up some paperwork, uh, working out, and then yeah, it's uh, kind of a interesting. kind of a nice break. Yeah, <laughs> Actually. yeah. Well, one of the things that um, that I thought about, I can't remember if I mentioned this in the last one or not, but that I hope maybe it will, um, maybe it'll give us uh, a chance to have a little bit more gratitude for the thing, the day-to-day things that we might take for granted. Right. Um, like, you know, there tomorrow's supposed to be opening day for baseball and it's not happening. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just weird going to the MLB website and mm-hmm. seeing very little going on. You know, it, it's like it's like when you go in the winter and they're like scrounging for stuff to put up there, you know. Right. Um, do you care? Like, do you care if baseball gets 162 games in or gets 100 games in or the season? Because I you know I'm still listening to a lot of sports radio and I mean, it sounds like MLB is going to do their damnedest in order to cram in as many games as possible. And yeah, I mean, that's, it's not surprising just from a financial point of view that they'll want that right. they wanted. I just, right before we started, I saw on my phone, a, a story from about the blue Jays general manager saying, floating the idea of maybe playing seven inning double headers yeah get more games in and and uh but i no i mean the short answer for me is no i i want them to play i want them to have a season Mm -hmm. but if the season is 110 games instead of 162 games that's fine with me i mean i don't i don't think that you necessarily i mean 110 might be a little short but i don't know if you're necessarily going to find any find out anything too different after 110 than you would have a, after 162. Although, I mean, there's always teams that that uh, kind of lose steam the last couple of months and end up not making the playoffs. So, right, like one of the pictures being painted is doing a lot of double headers, neutral site games, and then ending. Ending the World Series on December 26th is what? one of the, yeah. That's yeah. ridiculous. To me, like, how are you going to play baseball? To me, I, I don't think you can push the postseason. I don't think you can end the season too much later than you already do. Like, I, I, Halloween is a good time to end it. Maybe you can go an extra week after that. Right. But, like the, I, I mean, if you're... You're, you're going to have like a, a Minnesota versus, you know, Philadelphia World Series in mm-hmm. December. And it's going to be like 16 degrees at game time, you know. Well, like how is that going to be fun for anyone? Well, they would pick a neutral area in a dome 
That's oh, okay. What so they'll play in a dome or they'll play but, it like in Florida or something. Right, right, right. But like there's two things wrong with that. One, baseball is so regional now. I yeah, think like sure. fan base wise, there's there's barely any national attention on the playoffs really. When teams um when the East Coast really has no dogs dogs in the race, they don't care. So right. no one fucking cares if it's a Cardinals Royals World Series as awesome as they uh, uh, that may be to break it to the Cardinals and Royals fans out there. Nobody gives a shit. Right. They're the really. only ones that care. Right. So you're, and number two, you're going, you're, you're fighting the ratings king in the NFL. Right. There's no secret as to why the MLB viewership drops off when NFL rolls around. Right. Yeah. I mean, this isn't 1950. Yeah. So, so I yeah, don't think I, it'll, it won't work. Yeah. I'd, I'd much rather have a shorter season than strain mm-hmm. and do ridiculous things like play baseball in December just to get 162 games in or to yeah. play in, you know, yeah, I mean, in cities, I don't know, those neutral site games when they happen are always just kind of ridiculous to me. Yeah, I mean, if you're in, like, Houston, do you really care if the, I don't know, the Orioles and the um, Orioles and Royals have a game in Houston? Right, yeah. Who the fuck's watching that? Right. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I'm, I, I think it's a safe assumption that they're going to try and squeeze every penny out of it that they can. You know, right, right. In any, any way that they can make part up the money of me, they're losing. Part of me thinks, so roughly like 30% of the income for a team comes from the turnstiles. So okay. part of me thinks, well, I mean, it's good that workers are getting paid, blah, blah, blah. But, but let's not fool ourselves here. They aren't cramming all these games in to like help the like hot dog vendor and the t-shirt right then yeah really so I, I don't know i part of me is like treat it like it's 1944 and there's a fucking war happening and just cancel the season yeah i don't know i don't, or hopefully it's only 80 games because i think that would be interesting yeah yeah i mean I don't know. They, they had they had shortened seasons in 1981 and 1994 and 1995, but those weren't too short. You know, I think. Right, right, right. When it's a lockout or strike, oh yeah, it's all good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In 1995, I think they played 140, 140 or 140 games. I think 147 or something. Right. Which I just saw, I just saw the other day that the Cleveland Indians, even in a shortened season, they still won a hundred games. And they were in 1995. Okay, they were like 146 or something ridiculous like that. Right, like, that's crazy. But to all the people out there, I think well in 
So 94 is when the strike occurred, right? Or the lockout? Uh, yeah, it, it ended the season in 94 and then yeah. flowed over in 95, and they started late 95. And uh, we talk about this multiple times, I think. Uh, the Expos would have ran away with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Easily. Yeah, and they're... And they're, they're that was their best shot to make the playoffs. And then the season ended and they just never, never got back to never got back there. Mm -hmm. The nationals who won the world series this year, that's the old Expos team. So it only took uh, 25 years to get back there. Right. Anyway. Um, Right. I mean, there, but yeah, baseball is one of those things, but you know, just like, just, you know, thinking about, my my phone, the charger for my phone is the cord is just not working well. So it's like hit or miss when I plug my phone in, whether it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And I, I so bad want to just go to five below and get one of those cheap $5 cords mm-hmm. so my phone can charge, but five below is not open, you know? And I mean, that's a very, you know, insignificant sacrifice to make, but. What about Meyer? Well, I, I, I could go to Meyer. I, yeah. I mean. I just haven't checked there. I just, when I, when I try to, when I think of getting a cord, it's, I just buy those cheap ones, you know, cause okay. I, you know, I, I still have a cord in my car that has like wires hanging, <laughs> hanging out of it. And it looks like an electrical hazard. I haven't used it for a while, but it's still there in case I need it. And it still works actually. So mm-hmm. um, I could use that if I want to risk catching my car on fire, which I don't know. Probably not a good idea. Right. Um, um, getting back to your point earlier on being appreciative of uh, things. Yeah. So one of the things I hear from parents with younger kids, no kids like, I don't know, like they like 13 and under is uh-huh. kind of this guilt where, they have this guilt because they feel like they're taking not a guilt, but a relief that, that their kids are not being pulled in all these directions. Like they're relieved that they aren't taking them to fucking basketball, swimming, karate, archery, rock picking, like, whatever activities that they're in, but they feel guilty for being, being relieved and yeah, but they're happy to like have this time. So you have kids like, and they're pretty active. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But my, my kids, they, they don't, usually they're just doing one thing at a time. And like right now we would, my daughter would be having softball practice a few times a week and we're not Mm -hmm. doing that. Right. Um, my son wouldn't have started baseball yet, but will have soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and my other son is in orchestra, but that's all during school except for uh, concerts and stuff. But okay, they're real like hectic, hectic. Yeah, it's it's not usually too too okay. hectic for them. But I I do understand that. I mean, there's always the feeling of, you know if kids want to do, you know, if they want to do Girl Scouts and they want to do dance and they want to do, you know, whatever other sports and, you know, band and all of, and and music lessons and all of this stuff. And it's all stuff, you know, my kids have done that stuff at various times 
over the years, but we, 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 I've always tried to like kind of spread it out. So they're only doing, you know, one or two things at a time, but it is, I think probably the kids and the parents feel a little bit of what you feel about the cleared social calendar, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're still early on in it. It's only been a couple of weeks, so maybe that'll all wear off. But there is something to be said for just not having things planned right? and for just having downtime, you know. And I mean, my kids have been playing a lot of video games, so that's not <laughs> it's, it's not, you know, the most constructive use of their time. But they have so much time that, you know, they can do video games and then, okay, you have to read and okay, you have to do a journal. And, and, um, last night or the night before we spent an hour at the kitchen table and just talking and, and I recorded it just so they would have something, you know, just so we could listen. They'll have it someday to listen to, to know what was going on and what they sounded like and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but they, you know, they, they haven't complained about not going to school yet, you know, and, um, they have pretty loose bedtime schedules, uh, when they're not in school. So there's a lot of, you know, going to bed at 2am and waking at waking up at 11. So it's pretty quiet around, around, uh, the morning in the morning. So, Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think that, I don't think anybody should feel guilty about anything at this point. You know, if you're, everybody's just trying to do the best they can to get through this, you know, and it's just one of those things that everybody just has to realize there's, it's temporary. We don't know how long, but it is temporary. And whether it's, you know, four weeks or three months, you know, you just got to kind of make it through and, uh, and hopefully at the end, hopefully at the end you, you realize, well, I made it through and maybe I realized I should be a little bit more thankful for some of the things that I do have. Right. And maybe I didn't really need some of the shit that I thought I needed. Right. I haven't heard any, any non first world problems yet though. Right. That's yeah, that's right. That's the funny thing is, you know, people are talking about, you know, getting through it, blah, blah, blah. But what are we getting through? Like hanging out in our cool houses, fucking streaming shows and drinking like. Right, right. Yeah. But but like, you know, we're, we're lucky that we can do that. But I was thinking today when I was thinking about Five Below, mm-hmm. I was thinking about people who work in jobs in specifically retail jobs, but other jobs that aren't open now that might not have the benefit of paid time off or Mm -hmm. enough paid time off, you know? And that's why I'm, you know, I'm glad Congress is doing something that's going to help those people and like with huge unemployment benefits and things. But like, I can imagine that there are a lot of panicky people out there right now who haven't worked for a week and not working for a week is disastrous to some people. And, um, you know, we, you know, you're still working and I'm, I'm working and I'm, I, 
there's no end in sight for my work and I'm going to be getting paid and I can, you know, do other things to make Mm -hmm. money. So it's not really a problem for me, but I, so, you know, in that way, it's not a concern. It's more like you said, the first world problems, but they become real problems, you know, when you, when you don't, when you're not as fortunate as a lot of us are. Right. And that, that's why I think, um, it's, you know, I didn't, I haven't read any of the, like any of, a lot of the details of whatever Congress, whatever that, the, the aid that Congress just passed, but I hope that most of it goes to, you know, people a little bit lower down on the income scale that, you know, really need the help. And apparently um, that's why it didn't pass last week because because there wasn't enough there. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, benefit lower income. Right. I mean, we, you know, there's always money to benefit. There's, there's always enough money to benefit banks and for tax cuts for rich people and all that. But like, you know, to, to be sure that some, you know, single mom who's laid off from her retail job and she's trying to support three kids, like we need to take care of her too, you know? Right. And, um, so hopefully, hopefully that bill does this. I don't, I haven't read anything about it. Right. I, no, I guess I, the most complaints I've heard are, are from people that don't have a reason to complain, I guess. <laughs> right. Really? Yeah. That's all yeah. I've heard. I mean, people that, people that I've seen like firsthand haven't, haven't really said much, but the most right. vocal ones are the people where I look at them. I'm like, what are you complaining about? Like, right. what yeah. You, what are you worrying about? Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, it, like I said, it's, it's, it's a short period of time or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not a short, but comparatively short in the grand scheme of things. This is what I always think about when you're going through, something difficult or um, challenging or you're down about something is that when you look back at it, you're not going to remember the length of time that you were enduring that because it's just going to be in the long course of your life. It's just a, it's a defined time, you know, and as long as it's not something that piles upon itself and ends up being years and years and years and years, even like, you know, a one or two year rough patch, everybody, everybody has those. And even, you know, you can, you'll eventually get through it. And when you're through it, you'll marvel that you made it through and you'll be better for making it through as long as you, as long as you can make it through, you know? So mm-hmm. whatever it, you know, it, sometimes it's, this just sounds so hokey to me that, that those lines from thumbing my way, but like, no matter how cold the winter, there's a springtime ahead, you know? Right. Like it's a freaking cold winter out there right now for a lot of people, but, um, you know, most of us will make it through. Okay. And that, that's the thing I also think about is like, most of us will make it through. Okay. Some of us are going to die. Right. And then the problems that the rest of us are facing all of a sudden aren't as bad. You know, it's hard to complain about being locked in your room and not being able to go out and see your friends when you know other people are dying, you know, and your problems really don't seem so bad. Right.
So anyway, on that uplifting note, um, well, one of the ways, you know, because people are locked in their house or not locked in, but whatever, you have to find something to keep yourselves busy. So, um, and I said, my kids have been playing a lot of video games, but last night we took a break and we played the board game life. All have right. you ever played uh, life? Um, uh, that was a huge game in the crawl household. Oh, was it? Oh yeah. Big time. Mm-hmm. I remember playing it with when my oldest daughter, who's 22 now, when she was young, we played it and we've played it a few times since then, but I, I have a tendency to try to avoid that game because it just kind of takes a long time and sometimes it gets a little bit too involved, but we played it last night and it was a lot of fun. And, um, the, you know, the kids always like playing board games. So we're, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be doing a lot of that, a lot of that in the upcoming weeks. But I found this article today that talked about the article. The first article was the 40 best board games. And in that article, it linked to another article that was the 10 worst board games. Now, I'm, I'm not a huge board game person. Mm-hmm. Like, do you play, do you play a lot of board games? Um, I used to not often now. Yeah. I mean, it's just not like if I'm hanging out with people, I usually don't want to play a game. You know, it's usually like if I'm hanging out with you, I want to like, I want to talk to you. I want to have a drink. I want to, you know, not, not necessarily play. I think there's just, you know, there's board game people. And there's everybody else, I think, is really what it is. I'll tell you when it's fun is when you're playing with uh, Adam and Kelly's kids because they're really into board games and it's fun because they're into it. Because they're they're into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, they have the – they don't have typical board games. They're games I've never heard of. Most well, of that's, are, most of them are really awesome. Yeah, that's what this this article that I found the forty best board games. A lot of them were were games that I hadn't heard of. Mm-hmm. But before that, I read the ten worst board games, okay. and some of the some of the ones on this list, I was like, the, "How can you call that the word?" Like this, the list lost credibility to me right away. What are let me just go okay? Let me just go through these, okay? They're they're alphabetical, okay? So, Candyland, it that's awesome, like every kid loves Candyland, okay? Clue, Clue Clue is freaking awesome, okay? So far, what it sounds like that the makers of uh, of this list couldn't figure these games out so far, just just (laughs) yeah, right, yeah. Um, cranium. Oh, which oh, oh yeah, I've only played cranium bad. once, huh? Cranium. That I'm, I'm uh being sarcastic. Fucking cranium was so fun. Was it? I've I've only played it once, and I was I was iffy on it. Um. Oh yeah, I love okay. cranium. This one's not not a uh, a board game, but hangman. Okay. Did which, a fucking hipster make this lift up? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, and and then Life, which 
the the uh, it's their problem with life is um, the game of life consists of a series of unappealing choices with predictable outcomes, like life itself, I guess. Most laughably, the game pays out money for each child you have, the exact opposite of the actual effect of having children. Who the hell cares? You yeah. also have to pay like $20,000 to somebody if you spin an eight or something. Right. Like, come yeah. on. Who cares? It's a freaking game. Relax. Like, my my main problem with life is that it, life the game, just in case God is listening and intends to strike me down for my next sentence. But, like, my problem with life is that it just lasts too long. You know, like, well, I let's, never let's shorten it up a little bit. That long. I don't know. It, our, we played last night and it was a good two hours to get through it for the four of us to play. Okay. Um, which, you know, it, it's not horrible. It was a lot of fun, but after about like an hour and a half, I was, I was just thinking, okay, can we, can we wrap this up yet? Right. Um, <clears throat> Mousetrap, which uh, we got for my younger daughter or my oldest daughter when she was young and we played once cause it was so involved and I, I don't even remember what it was, but I just remember thinking like that was a waste of money. Mousetrap. Yeah. Mousetrap. I never played on a board game. So, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. And now is now see next on the list is monopoly. Okay. Which Why is that bad? It says, um, Let's see. For the most part, Monopoly is the model for game, bad game mechanics. Happenstance quickly separates contenders from also-rans, leaving one player gleefully collecting rents while the others wait to be finished off. Well, it depends how you play, and it depends, like, I, I don't know. I have no problem. Monopoly's freaking fun. I don't, I'm not a big fan of, like, the variants of Monopoly. Like, Ben, my son got... Um, uh, Fortnite Monopoly, mm-hmm. and we tried to play that. In like, I cu- I couldn't make sense of what the hell they were saying. Right. Like, it it wasn't just Monopoly; it was like all of this other stuff. Like, there's a reason they've been making this game for 80 years, and it's because it's awesome. So right. just leave it so, alone. So far, the hipster that made this list got their ass kicked every <laughs> right. time. Anytime these games came up, because Mon- Monopoly. You can come back. Yeah. You can be dirt poor and come back. Yeah. And I mean, you just have to be in it for the long haul. If you're mm-hmm. playing Monopoly, if you want to finish it, you're going to be in it for a long time. Fucking crybabies. <laughs> well, my other problem with this list is apparently this guy doesn't know the alphabet because he put it's alphabetical and he put mousetrap before Monopoly. <laughs> and, and M-O-U comes after M-O-N. So... Yeah. If I put any, if I put anything into this list, I, I he just lost it all because he doesn't know the damn alphabet. He's an asshole. Yeah. Next is Operation. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. How is Operation that fun? Nerve jangling, noisy, noisy. Okay, we're gonna complain because it's noisy. Noisy and not even all that satisfying to win. Operation is more of an instrument of torture than a fun way to spend an afternoon. Not as torturous as reading your stupid ass yeah. list here, buddy. And uh, Risk, which I've never played, okay. but I so like it from what I hear. This guy is officially a filthy asshole. <laughs> this, by 
by putting risk on there, I mean, with the others, he told me that he wasn't intelligent and got his ass kicked at board games constantly. But risk just puts the exclamation point on there that yeah that he is not smart and just can't figure shit out yeah what dude yeah um and and last on the list the best board games out there i know that i like the people i've never played it but the people that i know have played it are like pretty serious about it and like it a lot it is intense yeah wasn't there a Seinfeld episode about risk? Was that the yeah uh-huh. where they were? Yeah, I, 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 it was Kramer and Newman, and then they right. ended up leaving it in Jerry's apartment as a neutral zone, and yeah, yeah. Um, and then the last one is Tic Tac Toe, which. Like it doesn't get any more classic than tic tac toe. Right. The, the thing, the thing, the bad thing about tic tac toe to me is, unless you're playing against a kid, every game's going to end in a tie. Right. Like there's no way, or unless like you know somebody's just not paying attention. Like there's just no way that uh you know two people who know what's going on are, are going to end a tic tac toe game in any right. tie. So, all right, who who wrote this list? Let me see. Let me see if they have his uh, his hipster picture. His name is Noel. I think that's all you need to know. Noel. Yep. No, Noel. Noel. Hipster name. <laughs> yep. Sorry, Noel. Your 10 worst family games is stupid. In the 40 best games, a lot of those I'd never even heard of. So I'm not even, and I'm definitely not going to go through 40 games. Right. But, um, I was, I was. At least they didn't have any of the games on the best 40 game list that they also had on the worst 10 games. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> but whatever. Oh, one thing. What do you think the the age appropriate? They do have like the, the optimal age. And the game. Um, what, what, oh, Uno. What do you think the optimal age for Uno is? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I was playing that when I was five or six and I caught on and I really liked it. Yeah. They, they say the optimal age is six. Okay. And I, I think if you have a smart six year old, they could probably catch on. Well, I mean, I just told you I played it when I was five or six. So So that makes you smart. Yeah. But, but I think, I don't know. I think for, for, for some kids, it might take a little catching on to and it might be a little uh i don't i don't know if it would be engaging enough but mm. uno's fun i haven't i haven't Did played you ever for years play, but... um skipbo i remember when skipbo came out when we were kids but yeah. i'm not sure i ever played it yeah when i tell people i haven't ever played that they look at me weird i just i've never played yeah it. i just remember thinking that like it was a. Uh, you know, like Uno's little brother. Yeah. And like, what the, why the hell do I want to play Skipbo if I can play Uno? The bitch brother of Uno. <laughs> and like, I don't know, maybe it's fun, but I don't, and like, it, it has the name Skip in it. Like, what the hell do I want to play a game that it, people are just getting skipped for? Like, that's right. not fun. The worst part of Monopoly is when you're in jail and you're watching everybody else play and all you can do is roll the dice or just wait for your turn to get out of jail. Right. 
Like, that sucks. And then you have to watch all those other assholes just come by just visiting, <laughs> rubbing it in. So, uh, what do you purchase up first when you're playing Monopoly? What do I purchase first? Yeah, I, like, what do you hope to purchase first? Or I, I usually just go for, I'll, I'll either, I'll, one of two strategies, either just the, the cheap ones, mm-hmm. the cheap properties, or, like, I want, like, Boardwalk and Park Place, like, right off oh, the bat. Oh, okay. I hear you. Or sometimes the railroads, but... Um, I don't know. My the I, I haven't played the regular Monopoly in a long time. We have this Super Mario Monopoly that's pretty much a straight up Monopoly just with a few different names. Right. Um, but just looking at, uh, we actually have the uh, there's actually games stacked in this room that I'm in, and we have uh, Nintendo Monopoly, Pokemon Monopoly, uh, Fortnite Monopoly, Monopoly Here and Now, the World Edition. So we have four different monopolies here, and like the only one worth playing really is the Nintendo Monopoly, because all the others are just so perverted monopolies that like you can't even tell what the hell you're playing. Right. But do you have a do you have a strategy? Hell yeah, I always. Well, I mean, I tried to. It's you no know, luck of the roll, but uh, buy the red, orange, uh, then the railroads. Okay. Because if you own that corner, you're going to fucking dominate. Nice. And well, a boardwalk and park place, I don't even bother with. No. No. I mean, those are, they're, they're such big money and it's hard to, you know, you're taking a risk by spending that much money on them. But if somebody lands on them, especially if you get houses or hotels mm-hmm. or whatever on it, you're raking in the dough. And then I, the last time we played Monopoly, the direction said, like, don't make up your own rules. It'll affect gameplay and it'll make it take, like, much longer. Oh, man, you fucking have to go house rules. Yeah, I mean, because one of the things that we always played was, like, free parking. Like, you land on free parking and you get the pot of money in the middle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the directions that we read, it said, no, don't do that. It, it makes the game take too long. Fuck that. I was like, that's a fuck. I, I didn't know that that wasn't a game rule. Like what that I thought everybody played that way, but I don't know. Maybe not. What, what the other game that I always think about that was on this, uh, was on the, it wasn't on the 40 game list. It was on the, the next best 40 list at, that they had at the end of the 40 game list was Trivial Pursuit. Trivial Pursuit, yes. Now, my thing with Trivial Pursuit is that you have to get one that isn't too hard because nobody wants to play one that, like, nobody knows the answer to. Like you know, or that, old, like, one uh, person knows the answer. Right, like the old blue one, uh, the yeah. original one, the Genus Edition or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah, because... That's what I grew up on, and we would yeah. play. We would play versus our dad often and get our asses kicked. But I always yeah. wonder if I went back to it today, would I be better at it? And yeah. that would make me feel good, or I can play and realize how stupider I am after all these years. 
<laughs> right. Well, it goes back to, you know, Mr. Bodner in, in, in high school would mm-hmm. play the whole class. And you said that maybe he was good just because he had the cards memorized. Oh, yeah. Right. Playing so many times. Yeah. Uh, when you play one of the more recent ones, the like pop culture one or whatever, those are child's play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of, one of the, one of the funniest, uh, Monopoly memories that I have was um, we were playing with your sister mm-hmm. and this is probably like 10 or 15 years ago. Okay. And the, the question was something about um, this article, this El Greco is the Spanish word for, for this. <laughs> and and like El Greco, it's just the Greek, but right. I didn't, I didn't know that. Like El, I thought it was like something fancy and I, like everybody there knew that El Greco was just the Greek. And I just felt like such an asshole for not knowing that it was just the Greek. God. Oh God, that was awesome. I, I, I you remember. I hope that. she listens to this and she remembers that because I that's whenever I whenever I whenever we're playing Trivial Pursuit, which I mean I haven't probably played it in six or seven years, but I always look for that El Greco card to see if it's going to come up. Or not. Greco. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Um, I just finished. What's in the glass tonight? Um, Templeton Six Year Rye. Nice. Uh, there, so Templeton usually just had had a generic label. It was the Templeton Rye was always good, but recently, in the last like several years, they've been putting their their uh, age on there. It's uh, oh okay four six. There's a ten year. There's a barrel strength now. Um, anybody out there that's listening the thousands of people out there that are interested in uh, in rye rye whiskey do not bother with a 10-year rye um it's over a hundred bucks and uh the six year is just as good if not better and it's like 38 dollars <laughs> yeah literally nice. yeah nice all right well, I'm gonna go. I'm I'm drinking uh, the Libertine again because I have so much rosemary. Got to use it up, man. Yeah. Left. I didn't want to dump it, so I was like, but I didn't have any any bourbon left, so I went and I got some more bourbon. Excellent. What did you buy? Uh, same thing. Four okay. roses. All right. Very good. So, uh, all right. So I'm gonna go make a new drink, and then we'll continue in a minute. Okay. All right. I'm back. All right. This was, this was a landmark drink. This um, I made this I without directions. The first time that I made it without directions, made it completely from memory. Excellent work. So I don't know what that means, but maybe it means I'm making it too often or drinking them too often. I don't know. No. But I, I got it. Here, let me take a drink and see. Yep, tastes right to me. All right. Did you get a refill? Uh, yes, I did. Okay, good. Okay, so I had a uh, one of those one of those moments that like makes me question everything. Kind of a, a rather unnerving moment 
last night. Uh oh. I yeah. So I watched this movie with my kids called Brewster's Millions. Have you ever seen this? It's uh um John Candy yeah. and, and Richard Pryor. Um I think I saw parts of it when I was pretty young. So okay. so I don't really it, it, remember it. It's from like 85, 86, mm-hmm. something like that. And the story is um, they're, they they play for a, a semi-pro baseball team and uh, Richard Pryor has a great uncle or something that dies and leaves him an inheritance and he has he has to spend 30 million dollars in 30 days and if he does it without having anything left at the end without having any assets to show for it then he gets his actual inheritance of 300 million dollars okay so the the entire movie is just and and he can't tell anybody that he what he's doing so he's you know he's blowing through this money and everybody's like what are you doing so the last time I saw this movie was probably late eighties. Okay. Like 87, 88, 89, something like that. And ever since then, I've had this scene in my mind that, and I've been wanting, I've wanted to watch the movie the past few years to, to see what the deal is with this scene and how it came about. But in my mind, the scene is that they've, it's just, they've, they went to a brewery and they drank, John Candy drank so much beer that he like inflated to like 20 feet in diameter. <laughs> and he still had this little tiny head. And I have this, this, you know, this scene in my head of Richard Pryor coming into this big like brewery and seeing John Candy so huge and like freaking out about John Candy being so huge. So when I'm watching this movie with my kids last night, I, I don't tell them about the scene beforehand, but I'm just, you know, the, the entire time I'm like, okay, when, when's the beer scene? When's the beer scene? When's the beer scene? The whole movie goes by. There's no beer scene. Really? I'm like, what, what happened? Like I vividly remember watching this and I vividly remember it being John Candy. Like what the hell happened? So, of course, I had to investigate, and it turns out that there it I totally messed up the movie and the person. It wasn't John Candy. It was another movie called, um, oh gosh, what was the name? I have to look it up now. It's, it's um, with Rick Moranis and... Little Shop of Horrors? No, um, those are pretty much the only two Rick Moranis movies I know. Oh, oh, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, which I have never seen. You've never seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. No. Uh, Strange Brew is the name of the movie. Rick Moranis. Strange Brew. Yeah. And Dave Thomas. Have you seen that? Um, I've know it. Watch it multiple times when I was a kid. Okay, so that is the movie that has a guy that is like somehow huge, full of beer and like I, I don't I don't know. I didn't watch it, so I don't know what happened. But somehow in my mind, Strange Brew and Brewster's Millions 
got, you know, mixed up. But I was so shocked. Like, that's such an implanted memory in my mind. I had no doubt that it was John Candy in Brewster's Millions that that happened to. So I, I was just, like, dumbfounded. So... I'm dealing with that last night, and then I find this uh, article today that talks about why why do we never forget how to ride a bike? Hmm. And you know, like, oh, it's like riding a bike. You never forget. And it comes down to memory because there's, like, different kinds of memory. Right. But there's declarative memory and procedural memory. And declarative is either stuff that happens to you or things that you remember. Mm-hmm. So, like... Brewster's Millions is, it's episodic. It's stuff that I remember. So I, you just, I just misremembered. I thought that I knew it, but I didn't. Whereas riding a bike is procedural. Mm-hmm. Your procedural memories don't really change and they're very protected. They, they're, they're more resistant to loss and trauma than other kinds of memory. And it's, and it's also protected in the center of your brain. Whereas, other kinds of memories are on the outskirts of your brain. So like the memory of how to do something is protected inside your brain and you're not going to forget it. Even if you have like trauma, like brain trauma, it won't reach the inside of your brain. So like you can have memory loss and still remember how to ride a bike. Yes. Which is kind of crazy. But apparently you can't remember what the hell happened in Brewster's Millions. (laughs) Well, I mean, I uh, call that revisionist history. I guess, but like, I want to know like what happened, what was the initial mix up, you know, because like I, I thought about this for like 25 years easily. And like, I know I've told multiple people about this and it's just flat out wrong. And I, and I don't know. It just makes me think like, what the hell else do I have wrong? Right. I think I have memories of as a kid and it's just like, like, no, that didn't really happen. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when you hear athletes talk about, or baseball players specifically, or, or the examples that I have of like, you know, I remember being at the Cubs convention and somebody will tell a story about, oh, yeah, this day this happened. And and then, like, if you go and check the box score to see what really happened, like it didn't happen anything like, like that. You know, right. it's just like selective memories. And um, I don't know. Do you know who's really awesome with that? It isn't baseball. It's tennis. Andre Agassi. He can oh, is- tell you every score of every match he's played and where it was. Oh, yeah. And so um, randomly when he, he was playing, okay, like if it was at the U.S. Open and they said, okay, you're um, facing um, Tomas Muster, and he, uh-huh. he could go back to the last time they played, okay, and it could have been uh, recently, but I've seen him do this with players he hadn't played in like six years. And he'll tell you what the score was, what round, and if he like missed a forehand. And I, uh, you can go back, and it's true. Yeah, like he totally that's crazy. Re- uh, recalls all that. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I, in, you know, like, well, you and I both have, I think better than average memories when it comes to a lot of things. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. I think so. Like, you know, I can pull dates out pretty easily for a lot of things mm-hmm. and, you know, associate things, but like, just to be so wrong about that movie and um yeah it's kind of kind of glass shattering mm-hmm. for sure but then but then there are also things that i know like memories that i have that sometimes when i think about them i wonder like do i actually remember that mm-hmm. or do i remember the story of that Right. You know, like I, I've told the story so many times or I've heard the story told so many times, like, do I actually remember it happening or do I just know that this is a story that I tell or that people tell or whatever? And, and this is, you know, what happened or what didn't happen, you know? Yeah. Well, like, like the, I mean, we won't, we won't get into too many details because it's kind of sad, but like, like with the kid that a kid stole my lunch money. Mm-hmm. in like sixth grade and then uh like shortly thereafter like the next day he died right and like i do i really remember that or I, do i just remember telling the story of what happened you know mm-hmm. and like how much of the story that i'm telling is what actually happened and how much of it has just changed over the years as i've told the story you know right so well i mean that happened Right. It it happened. It did. Yeah. I mean, that did happen, but you know, I, I don't know. It's just, it just, it's weird to me how, how malleable memories are. Did you ever get thrown into jungle hall? Yeah. Yeah. By that kid. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I, you were that, but, but see, that's my memory of it. Mm-hmm. That's my memory is that I was thrown into the plants by that. Yeah. Kid. Yeah. Uh, because like a week earlier that happened to me and you, uh, you were with me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, uh, and this is, so that was like spring of 89, right? We were in, or spring of 90, we were in sixth grade. Yeah. That's something that's 30 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, like, if, if I could go, if I could go back and watch a video of it, like, did it happen in the way that I actually think that it happened, Mm -hmm. you know, but obviously there's no way to do that, but it just, you know, this whole Brewster's Millions thing is really going to, it's for the, now for the rest of my life, I'm going to be living by like the Brewster's Millions principle of like, (laughs) things aren't, things aren't always what you think, you know, like no matter how sure you are, it might not be it. Because of but the anyway, you, prior movie. Yeah. If you haven't seen Brewster's Millions, check it out. It is it is really funny and perhaps not politically correct in the these days in a lot of things, but it it'll make you laugh, I right. promise. Um all right. Uh let's see. Okay, here here's a trivia question for you. What percent of people in the world do you think are left handed? So this is an interesting question that you pose. Um, I, I think it's under 10%, maybe. I don't know, 15. I thought it was going to be a lot more than that. I thought it'd be like 30%, mm-hmm. like or 
like a little higher, one out right. of three. But no, you're right on target, 15%. Yeah. So does it break down how how many are females? It doesn't. But that's also something interesting that you that – you, so the, the article that I read was um, about the brains of left-handed people mm-hmm. and how – well, first of all, there, there are differences in the brains of left-handed people versus right-handed people. Right. But we know not as much about it as we should because left-handed people are frequently left out of neurological studies – because of the inherent differences, inherent differences in their brains. So like if somebody's, if somebody's studying something about the brain, they won't want to include left-handed people because left-handed brains are different than right-handed brains. And they won't be able to tell what is a difference because of what they're studying and what is a difference because it's just a left-handed brain. Right. So really, you need people who are studying who neurological studies that are really just studying the differences of a left-handed brain just to see what the actual differences are. Mm-hmm. But, um, what do you think that there are more women that are left-handed? I do. Yes, and it's all uh, anecdotal, uh, right? Anecdotal evidence, whatever the fucking word is. So. Yeah. So when I went back to school, I had noticed in my undergrad classes that and I I was in uh, when I went back, I went back for speech pathology for the people that don't know me. Um, And I was through my class, I was one of one of three males. So there were a lot of women in there. And I started to notice probably like um, after my third or fourth class, I was looking around and I noticed that there were there were a lot of left handed women. And I continued to to observe that from 2006 until today. And there I'm it's. For me personally, it's like a ten to one ratio. I mean, yeah. there are the left-handed people I meet. Ninety percent of the time, or even more, they are women. And right. you know, I'm not sure what that means. I don't know. And it's obviously a small sample because it's only me over a you know a fourteen year period that isn't that long, but. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. And one of the things, so this article had a lot of a lot of things to say about left-handers. And it said um, that lefties have a higher instance of some diseases, such as inflammatory bowel, Crohn's disease, and colon cancer. Okay. And my mom was left-handed, mm-hmm. and she just died from colon cancer. Mm-hmm. So obviously like anecdotal, but you know, it's pretty coincidental. Like, um, and the, uh, left-handed people are more resilient to strokes Mm -hmm. and, and more resilient to losing their speech because their language is spread out across their brain, across different sections of their brain. 
whereas a right-handed person's brain is, is centralized in one area of the brain. So it's more likely that a left-handed person would be able to retain some of that with a little bit of brain damage. Um, and they, and, but it also said that just generally left-handed people are thought of as better fighters. And I, I can, I only know like two left-handed adults and they are both like two of the kindest, like most gentle people I've ever met. And they are both left-handed. So that to, in my, like when I think of left-handed people, like that doesn't hold water in my anecdotal evidence either. So it's, you know, better fighters. Like I can't imagine either. I can't imagine my mom being in a, you think like you knew my mom, you think my mom's going to punch anybody, you know? So of course it's anecdotal and you know, there's exceptions to everything, but I just, I never thought of like the actual biological differences between a left-handed person and a right-handed person. And then, like, I always say that left-handed, I, I think from a baseball perspective, I, I like watching people throw left-handed much more than I like watching right-handers. Oh, yeah. And I don't know what it is. And hitting, too. Yeah. Left-handers have a prettier swing. Yeah. Like Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. Best, best swing ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, I don't, it just, and like left-handed throwers just look cooler and Mm -hmm. I I don't know what it is, but I, I've, I've often said that left-handed baseball players just look cooler, but then there, there are oddities too, because like Javi Baez Mm -hmm. does everything in his life left-handed except for play baseball. Right. He, he eats left-handed, writes left-handed, all of that stuff, but he throws right-handed and bats right-handed. Andre and that Dawson just seems so odd. did too. Huh? Um, Dawson did that. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. Andre Dawson, too, did that. And, I mean, how do you even begin to do that? You know, like I know, like sometimes when I'm messing around with my kids, I'll try and throw left-handed. And I do okay, but I look like an idiot and the ball goes half as far, you know? I think my, so my nephew is left-handed. Okay. But my sister told me he does a lot right-handed also. I have to follow up because earlier, earlier on, he did a lot right-handed. Okay. But I don't so know what that like. Changed. Yeah. Like he always wrote left-handed and you know, he played baseball a few years ago, and he was telling me that his like coaches were were making him bat bat and throw right handed, and I was like, "What the fuck's wrong with them? Like, why the hell yeah, did no, he do that?" Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, my my mom said that you know she went to Catholic school growing up, and she said that they tried to make her be right handed. You know, and of course that's back in the fifties, right. but. Like they would, they would, you know, she'd get in trouble writing with her left hand. And I just think like, that's crazy. Like why, why would, why, why is it preferable to do it right? The left hand is evil. That's why. Yeah. Left hand is the hand of Satan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
mean, there have been there have been crazier uh, crazier things said, I guess. But I don't know. I, I'm I am surprised that it's only fifteen percent of the population. I thought it would have been more. I know it's not like fifty percent, but I thought it would be more than fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. If you so so, I took Latin and. Um, uh, the word uh, sinister meant left hand meant left, but it uh, in that uh, era also meant evil. That's the oh. r- root of it. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, really, it's kind of sat- satanic, mm-hmm. or in some people's mind, like just because it's different, right? Huh. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully no kids are getting punished these days for being left-handed. I mean, it's bad enough that, that your nephew's baseball coach told him to throw right-handed. Like, don't you know the value of a left-handed baseball player? Yeah, I mean, you, you can pitch until you're 50 if you're fucking left-handed. Yeah, no kidding. You barely even have to get people out if you're a left-handed <laughs> pitcher. They'll, they'll give you $2 million a year. Yeah, I mean... Just ask Justin Wilson. <laughs> my my example for that is always Felix Heredia, who played for the Cubs and Marlins and a million other teams. And he had a couple of good years, but he was around mostly because he was just left-handed. It's hard hard to uh, hard to get rid of a lefty. Yep. But oh well. All right. Well, I think we've probably hit about an hour somewhere around there. Time flies when you're talking about board games, left-handed people, and all all things that you had no. We should tell everybody that, like, most of the time, you don't know what we're going to be talking about. Right. When you turn this on, did you really think you were going to get an education on board games? Yeah. Think you would know the origin of left-handed in uh, in the Latin language? Yeah. What What were the chances that you're going to hear Brian talk about some that you were going to hear that get the background on some Latin word today? Right. I mean, come on. What other podcasts do you get that from? I know. And what other podcasts do you learn about laying ice? The best Brian. ice out there that that I'm currently using in my Templeton Rye, and it's still going strong after an hour. So make your drink happy, make your mouth happy, laying ice. Laying ice will do the job. It'll make it all happy and more. That's right. And uh, I I wanted to point out a couple episodes ago was the 24th episode, which means that, you know, the full day, the 24 hours of more later, but, I, I missed it. So now we're at, I think this is episode 26. So you, if you've listened to them all, you've spent more than a day listening to me and Brian talk. So there you go. Thanks for listening. Uh, keep telling people cause we're, we've had a good, good uh, three or four episodes here number wise. So I think you guys are telling people. So tell more people so we can get more listeners and uh, more later. More later, yes. And we'll be back on Monday with a new episode and uh, maybe some more Latin or maybe we'll break out some other language. That uh, Oh, and we also had Spanish tonight with El Greco. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> we're 
this is you're you're so damn cultured you're so much more cultured now than you were 60 minutes ago you're welcome and it's free don't forget it's free so thanks for listening and uh come back on monday and we'll have more for you thanks